Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. Um, and so with that, would you find three or four people around you and answer this light question to start off with is, what's a limiting voice? What's a limiting voice do you have on repeat? What's a limiting voice you have on repeat? You get the idea. Enjoy. There's a big idea of where I'm going, and the idea is healthy limitations. I think that sometimes when we think of limitations, it's coming up, I promise you, healthy limitations. No, no, no. Yeah. Time after time. I like it. Sometimes when we think about the world of limitations, we think of it as a bad word. That as human beings, I think living in America, we think that we're not supposed to be limited with anything. But limitations are good. It's okay to admit that we're finite. It's okay to have boundaries. It's okay to not have everything figured out. The goal was never perfection. The idea is to understand your limitations and to work within them and to have a healthy understanding of where you're at. Now, there are limiting voices, which is completely different. Often, many of us are paralyzed by the limiting voices that we have. There are these narratives that we have in our head, these scripts that are on repeat, and they prevent us from taking risks, from stepping out into the things that we want to actually do, from entering into those relationships, from having that type of job. Whatever the thing may be, there are limiting voices that prevent us, but then there are limitations that actually help us understand who we are and where we're going. And so to think about that, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about J.R. Smith, if you know who that is. Anybody? Three sports ball fans in here. I like that a lot. Uh, then we're going to talk about pharaohs and promised lands. And if we can talk about pharaohs and promised lands, then we'll talk about some limiting voices. And if we can do that, then we're going to talk about God's part. If we can talk about God's part, then we'll talk about our part. If we can talk about our part, there's actually going to be one other thing about talking about other people's parts. And then we're going to talk about healthy limitations. I think it's all on there, but whatever. It's day one, people. Like, we're figuring this stuff out, right? You're with me. It's going to be great. Here's a picture of J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith is actually a retired NBA player. He played 16 years in the NBA. He won two uh, NBA titles with the Cavaliers and with the Lakers. He was ranked the sixth best man of the year, which are like great accolades if you're an NBA player. The crazy thing about J.R. Smith is he was originally supposed to go to the University of North Carolina to play college, but then instead, as an 18-year-old, decided to go into the draft. An 18-year-old playing in the NBA. That should always blow your mind. Like, you're like a kid playing with men all of a sudden. So he didn't go to college. So after after he retired from the NBA, he was having a conversation with another NBA player, and he said, hey, man, one of the things that I'm passionate about for NBA players is that we go get an education. And J.R. Smith took that seriously, but he began to say to himself, I can't go back to school. There's all these reasons I can't go back to school, right? Like, I'm an NBA player. That's going to be so weird. Uh, he talks openly about having these different uh, uh, things like ADD and other type of learning issues, and that just school for him wasn't a good thing. And yet, as he continued to have the conversations, as he worked through those limiting voices, he thought, what an opportunity for me 
to give a narrative for other young people out there, particularly student athletes. That sometimes in the world of student athletes, they're more athletes than they are students. And what if I can show other young men and young women that there's an opportunity that continued education is a gift for all of us, and that maybe going to school isn't just something that we do to go become professional athletes, but maybe getting this education is an opportunity for the rest of life. And so J.R. Smith applied to go to the University of North Carolina State at ANC, and it's a historically black college, and there he is on the golf team. So he is a collegiate athlete playing golf and going to school to further his education, working on a bachelor's degree. It's this incredible story of somebody trying to say, hey, there's different narratives that we can live into. There's all kinds of reasons why I didn't need to step into this story, but there's so many better reasons that if I take these risks, that with the position and the platform that I have, how I can inspire other people and inspire my own narrative as well. And I think that's the dream for all of us. I think the dream for all of us is that we want to move into a world where we are liberated from some things and liberated enough to step into new things that we're actually for. That the Bible talks about these things in all kinds of different ways. That we have been in the Torah for all of 2022 because there's this theme that we're thinking about of just listening to God. What would it look like for a community of people who are deconstructing and reconstructing and asking bigger questions of your faith and your spirituality, the relationship to God or Jesus that you have, in 2022? And what if in a world where so many things that we've been hurt or traumatized by are questions about where do we see God, and sometimes we don't always see God in tragedy or injustice or in the pain of places that we've been before, but what if we can learn to hear God in different ways? And it goes back to internal authority. What if in all the places that we're unsure about where we see God, we can learn to trust ourselves in that? What if God is still speaking to each and every one of us in the stillness of our own lives? And that the Jews for thousands of years have known this. That here's a people who have been oppressed by every major superpower that the world has ever been seen. And because of that, they have seen tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. They have asked questions of God, where are you in these moments? And yet they continue to come back to the Torah, to these first five books of the Bible and say, oh, here we can listen to God. And we can still be people who have a robust faith even when we're figuring it out. That it's not a conversation of perfection, it's a conversation of growth and evolution and transformation, and that we do that thing together. And so in these stories, in the Exodus story, how we see it is that in Exodus 3, where we just were last week, is that God is coming to Moses, and God is saying to Moses, I see the plight of my people. I hear the wounds that they have. I know everything that is going wrong in Egypt, and I want to rescue them, free them, save them, liberate them from their situation in life. And the reason that the Bible talks about it this way is that it's trying to invite us into a story of liberation. So yesterday we were moving a bunch of boxes out of the old place and I were, we were moving like 17 of my old boxes of like commentaries and like theological books and philosophical and like, you know, like $200,000 of theological debt. Like I read Greek, Hebrew, you get it. So, <laughs> and as I was thinking about those books, I was thinking about this idea that, you know, back in my theological education, we spent so much time trying to parse apart the Bible that sometimes we miss the soul of the thing. I remember reading commentaries about Pharaoh, and it's like, well, was this the Pharaoh of Ramesses II of Pythias because this wasn't the Pharaoh who could, you know, build the pyramids, the dating wouldn't be right, and the archaeological evidence of the Israelites and the Hebrews in Egypt at the time don't make sense. Like, that's not the point. The point of the scriptures are is that it never names the Pharaohs for a reason because there will always be new Pharaohs. 
The point of the story is not a story about Ramesses II or whoever it is. It's a story that invites you in to contemplate who are the pharaohs in your life that are preventing you from living into your freedom. That's the story. That's the invitation. Whether you heard that story 3,500 years ago or you hear it today, that is a human story. That there will always be new pharaohs who are preventing you from moving into your promised land. And you all have a promised land. That's the joy and the gift of being a human being. There is a vision, a purpose, a goal, a desire that you have for your life. And we would believe that if we are made in the image of a creator, then we too can be creative and can imagine a whole new world for ourselves. And not only for ourselves, but for the rest of the world as well. That is the invitation of these scriptures. Not some story that happened thousands of years ago, but an invitation to be liberated from some pharaohs now and to be liberated for some new promised lands. So follow along with me in Exodus chapter four. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and they say the Lord did not appear to you? And then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? We're gonna pause there already. To catch you up on this story, the week before was uh, Exodus 3, and that's the famous story where Moses meets God in the burning bush. And God is trying to invite Moses into the narrative because we all want the narrative where God shows up, does all of the work, and we're like, this is amazing. Get me on a first-class seat to Fiji. But that is not real humanity. In fact, I would push and say, for so many of you in this room, it was evangelicalism, or it was versions of conservative Western Christianity that hurt you. And what hurt you was not just the institutions or the people, what hurt you was also the theology. And that theology is rooted in escapism, in which you do nothing. That theology was created in the United States of America because we were powerful people. And so we wanted a version of God that just always worked out for us. That is not the historical or orthodox view of who God is. The historical or orthodox view of who God is is of course life's gonna be messy. Of course you're gonna be in the thick of it with God. The story that you just say some magical prayer at Hume Lake and you raise your hand and now all of a sudden all of your woes are gone is not true. There is no mountain in which all of your troubles disappear. And that was never the story that we were given in the scriptures. The story of Jesus is not, believe in me and you shall all have Ferraris. You get a Ferrari and you get a Ferrari. No, the story of Jesus is come follow me and if you follow me, you too will take up your cross. You too will learn about your suffering and it's your suffering that will be resurrected and it's your suffering that will heal the world. That does not sell tickets, by the way. And that does not make you a lot of money, but it is honest and it is vulnerable, and it is a true story of what it means to be human. And so with that in mind, and you get to this, that God is trying to invite Moses into the story, and Moses just has question after question for God. Because, of course, Moses is just like, you're right, God. The Israelites are in plight to the Egyptians. You go deal with it. And then God says, no, Moses, I want you to deal with it. Moses is like, well, let's step back a second here and consider our options. And one of the options that Moses considers is this, and I think this is just one of the most powerful human statements. What if they do not believe in me? Oh man, how many of us have been there? Maybe it's a set of questions like this. Maybe these are some limiting voices we have in our head. Not just what if they do not believe me, but what if they don't believe in me? What if I don't believe in myself? 
What if I can't do this? What if I'm not good enough? What if I fail? How many of us have those thoughts that go in our mind? And how many of you are lying right now? It's just what it means to be human. That we all have these moments in life where we need to risk, where we wanna step forward to be brave, where there's things that we desire or that we want, and there are things that keep us from doing it. Sometimes those are positive things and powerful things. Sometimes those are difficult things like addictions or relationships that we need to get out of or things that we can't move on from. Sometimes it's things like moving into a new job or getting that house or whatever it may be, and it seems scary at the time, but there's this part of you that says, I don't know if I can step forward into that thing because I'm uncertain about me. And I love the story of what goes on here is God doesn't chastise Moses for that. There's a reality of, it's okay, Moses. Let God do God's part, and then you do your part. And that's the invitation for all of us, and the story goes on. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And so Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, I want you just to get familiar with that phrase because it's a phrase that's in the Old Testament all of the time. Again, just a little bit of a theology check here. If you were raised in the evangelical church, you were taught that the Bible is all about God trying to rescue us from some belly buttonless people who made poor decisions in a garden 6,000 years ago. But here's the thing, if the Bible was interested in saving us from some people who made a poor decision by eating magical fruit from a magical snake, then why does the Bible never talk about it ever again? Because it's not the point of the story. The point of the story is God's faithfulness. The point of the story is you learning your role as a human being. And so the Bible does repeat verses like this again and again and again. It's a reminder of who God is. And the reminder of God who is is, is Yes, I know that you're terrified to step forward into a new promised land, but remember all of the times that I was there for you before. And that's why that phrase is used. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. I have been there for you before. I have been there for the people that you loved even before you got here, and I will be here again. And so as good readers of the Bible, we're trying to reclaim these scriptures in a healthy and transformed way. When you read those passages, don't let it just be a story about some patriarchs 2,000 years ago. I don't want to do anything with the patriarchs. I get it. Make it a story about you and your gratitude list and all of the ways that God continues to show up in your life. And regardless of what you're deconstructing, regardless of what you believe about that, you know one thing for a fact. You're here. If you can get here, Maybe you can get there. And the story continues on. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak and we took it out. The skin was leprous and it had become white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak. And he said, so Moses put his hand back in his cloak and we took it out. It was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. Now, if you do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it out on dry ground. By the way, don't you love the story here? Because this is like such classic human stuff, right? I know like we asked for signs, like, God, would you do this? But then God does the sign. And we're like, nah, better one, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I really want to be sure. So even God's like preempting all of that language. He's like, I'm going to give you three, right? In case you're like, nah, I've seen better at the Magic Castle than the snake stick thing, you know? Then I'm going to give you the old leprosy one if they don't believe that. You ever seen water turn into blood before? Like, God's trying to work some things out here for them, right? Give them some real opportunities to believe. And now Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past 
nor since you've spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. The first conversation is about God's part. Moses says this question of like, I don't believe in myself and I'm uncertain if they're gonna believe in me. And God does God's part and shows this away. And I know that's just an easy thing to say, and I can't even give you specific examples for your life, but I can give you examples of my own life where I know to be true when I've had a little bit of time and perspective to say, man, there's a thing that happened there that I never would have foresaw. Two weeks ago, on Friday, before Easter, when the city of Pasadena is calling me, and I'm thinking our Easter gathering is going to be shut down, I would have never guessed that two Sundays later, we would be sitting in Glendale together. And is that God, serendipity, chance, relationships? For me, I'm gonna give credit where I think credit is due. There was an opportunity here, and I think God provided something because of some relationships, and that's a gift for me. And I can think back in my life about all these times where things worked out. By the way, can I also look back in time and look at a lot of things that didn't work out? And I can say, oh, what if God's in that? What if I can hold a bigger perspective here of what God may be doing and how I might be operating as a human being? But then the story here shifts, and it moves to Moses saying, like, God, I'm just not good with words. You want me to go stand in front of Pharaoh? Talky-talky is not my thing, right? And so the story goes on, and God is inviting other people into our narrative. And the Lord said, and I love this, because God's kind of like giving some smack talk back, which I, I want a sassy God. I don't know about you, right? Sometimes we made a God out there who was just like so boring, right? Yeah. Thank you for your prayers. You did not use enough these and vows. I only heard 70% of it. And you're like, what kind of God is that, right? I want a God who talks a little smack back to me. Who gave humans their mouths? No good at talky-talky? I made them all. Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say, right? Which, that's, a, like, if I'm talking with God, like, whatever moment is happening there, you know, and I've been having a full-on conversation with the Lord, and God's like, remember that time I made all of the mouths? I'm like, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good argument, to be honest. <laughs> like, I did the whole not talking thing, but you, you kind of got me there. There's like eight billion mouths, and they're working, so, like, you're the winner, um, but no, Moses is smart, right? Moses is ready to keep arguing, which I think is a whole other beautiful thing. If you grew up in a world where you're never allowed to argue with God, doubt God, question God, read the Bible. There's a lot of arguing, questioning, and doubting because that's just what it means to be human. That says nothing about God. That just says something about us and that God can handle it. And that's a gift. Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. <laughs> The comedy's in the Bible. I didn't have to tell a joke there. I'm just reading Bible verses. What a win. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Seems fair. Um, all right, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? Uh, I know he can speak well. He is already on his way, right? Yeah, he's like, we're not gonna do this anymore. That's fine, I got somebody else for you. But what a gift by God. Because again, the story that we talk about here a lot is that we're in the Torah, is that again, it's not a story of independence. It's not a story of codependence. It's a story of interdependence. Codependency is a horrible story that many of us were given about our faith. Sometimes it happens in more conservative environments. And you're having to trust everyone else's authority to survive. And independence is sometimes the shadow side of liberal arguments where you've got this all on your own until COVID happens. And then you're like, oh, maybe I'm not as limitless as I once thought. And what a gift. 
And so we move towards a story of interdependence. But interdependence is not just with God. Interdependence is the fact that we are human beings. None of us live in a vacuum. We need other human beings. And the beautiful thing about human beings is that they're human beings. And the horrible thing about human beings is that they're human beings. And you get both. And so God is providing a way of saying, fine, the mouth thing didn't work for you. I have somebody else. And so who in your life is that somebody else? I bet you, you can think of at least one person. I bet you can think of probably five people who got you here to this day. And I bet you there are other people who are in your life right now who are happy to carry you even further. And I bet there are people in your life that you wanna help carry them because you're a human being and we love relationship and we love connectivity. And isn't it strange that it's so hard for us to figure out that we know it's a thing that we need and it's a thing that we're so great at avoiding. And this is a story of God saying, it's okay if you have limitations in this moment. I'm gonna provide another way. and I'm not gonna do it through magic. I'm gonna do it through the other people that you already know and love. And there's some reality check in there for all of us because you should be thoughtful about the people that you are inviting into your life, right? If you wanna invite people into your life on social media, there might be people who give you opinions that you don't want, just so you know. You might be more select about how you ask for help in your life. And that there might be some people around you who are already there that you need to reach out to. When we, I'm about to say when we, but let me correct my story because you're gonna hear my story in a second. When my wife was breastfeeding. <laughs> if there's any like we in a relationship with the person who's not carrying the baby, it's, it's a very inclusive we is all I'm saying. <laughs> and during that time, we, all three of our kids never took the bottle. Like we tried so hard for them to, get to, to, to take a bottle, except our first kid. And so wherever we were at, uh, we really needed Caden to take the bottle because Carissa was gonna go back to work at the time. And we're like, he has to like eat, you know? And he was refusing to. We did all of these different days where I'd stay home for like eight hours and try to give him the bottle and he wanted nothing to do with it. And then we would go all these places because it was around Christmas time. It's like family members' houses and there would always be some older person there who's like, oh, I can get your kid to take the bottle, right? <laughs> they were so certain. Any parents out there know what I'm talking about? Some of you don't have kids and you're already blanking out. That's great. We'll get back to you in a second. And so uh, these other people would always tell us that they had an answer for us and they were going to solve our problems and that our kids would take a bottle. And we would just be at random parties. And like a person who I don't even know that was like grabbing my baby and like grabbing, trying to put a bottle in their mouth. I'm like, please stop, right? And nothing ever worked. And so you, and we had a lot of good people that we invited into our lives, but sometimes there's just moments where you have to just Trust that I don't need all these other people's opinions right now. I'm gonna trust the people in my life. And I always remember that day that my wife went back to work, Caden was still not taking a bottle, and for 12 hours, I'm just sitting on the floor like pleading with God, and it's like seven minutes before Carissa comes home, and all of a sudden, he starts suckling, and I'm like, I'm out. Just a <laughs> gift from God. And the, the point of the story is this, is that there are sometimes people that you need to invite into your lives, and sometimes there's people that you don't need to invite into your lives. And you gotta trust who those people are for you. And then this narrative goes on. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it'll be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take the staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law said to him, let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. And Jethro said, go and I wish you well. I want to end with this. There's going to be God's part. There's going to be other people's parts in our narrative. And there's always going to be our part. 
a thing that I care about for this community and that I care about for all human beings, that I care about for my own development is we always have an opportunity to grow in our responsibility for our parts. That ownership and self-awareness is a gift that will keep on giving. And when I think about that, I think about healthy limitations that we can have. Here's a list of healthy limitations that I see in the story. And interestingly enough, a lot of these healthy limitations for me come from 12-step rooms. The first is simply admit. Admit that you're powerless. This is the story that Moses is providing. It's okay to admit I feel powerless in this situation. God, you want me to go back to Egypt, back to those pharaohs, to the most powerful human being in the world who is currently oppressing an entire people group, and you want me to speak into the situation? Now, I know that's not any of our stories, but you've had those moments where you have felt completely powerless in a situation. Have you ever felt powerless with family members? Have you ever felt powerless in a relationship? Have you ever felt powerless in a faith-based environment? Have you ever felt powerless with your addiction? Have you ever felt powerless in the year 2020 when you're just watching videos of what's happening in America? Have you ever felt powerless at other systems? That admitting we're powerless is okay, that sometimes when we surrender the outcomes, when we're not taking control, that's the first step to actually healing. And if we can admit that we're powerless, then we can actually ask for help. Because sometimes when we're still trying to take control, we don't ever actually ask for help. Jesus in the Gospels, particularly in the Gospel of Luke, he will call out the relig the, the, relig the religious and the rich one out of every six passages. Here's why. Jesus is challenging the people who don't need God. They don't need faith. They'll never ask for help because they have everything figured out. The power is not having all of the answers. The power is not having an absolute view of the some concrete God. The power is being able to ask for help and admitting when you don't have it all figured out. That's where we learn as human beings. Instead of trying to run from that reality, maybe we all should just read a few more Brene Brown books. That there's some gifts in here for all of us. If we can admit that we're powerless, if we can ask for help, then we can have acceptance. Because there's sometimes in life, no matter how angry or frustrated you are, how many times you march, whatever you put on Facebook, the things that you do, sometimes there's just a level of acceptance. Now, acceptance does not mean that you just like, well, I accept it, and you know, this is the way that the world is. No, no, acceptance is the beginning of a place that moves us into more action. But some acceptance allows us to control the things that we can't control, and some acceptance actually clears our minds so that we can go control the things that we can control. There's obviously the famous serenity prayer that this follows after. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The answer for most of us is generally not in either or, it's always in both and. That the reality is there are times I can accept that there's something I cannot do here, but there's generally an opportunity for me to do something else in another place. So if we can admit that we're powerless, if we can ask for help, if we can live into acceptance, then I think the final thing that this story teaches us from Exodus 4 was that last verse that we just had. Eventually, it moves us into awakening. And when we move past our limiting voices, and when we honor some healthy limitations, look where Moses finally ended up. He goes to his father-in-law, and he says, it's time for me to go. It's time for me to step into this action. It's time for me to move forward in this thing that I was tired of, this time for, that I was scared of. I'm ready to take the risk. And that's the invitation that we have for all of us today. And so I wanna end with this, some more pictures of J.R. Smith. Here's J.R. Smith, because he received the Collegiate Academic Recipient Award. Not only did he go back to college, he got a 4.0. Pictures are coming, I promise. The pictures are coming. 
North Carolina A&T's Academic Athlete of the Year with a 4.0 GPA. Here's the next one. Uh, because of this, because he's an athlete, he got like this incredible deal with Lululemon, which is, which is amazing, right? <laughs> Not as an NBA player, but as a student athlete doing this. And then I love the final one from LeBron is, right, grades are 4.0, a lot of great emojis. And then uh, if you can translate the next part for me, uh, F, U, blink, 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 you get it nuts, right? Um, I think it's beautiful that there are times in our life that we would never think that we would risk or step forward into that thing. And sometimes when we choose to be brave, when we choose to listen to other people around us, God's gonna provide a way, others are gonna provide a way, and we're gonna provide a way for ourselves as well. If you go get back in those groups and answer this question with one another, how can you practice healthy limitations? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.